Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and I am joined by one of my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator, as well as a special guest tonight, Mr. Ryan Searfrost. How are you gentlemen doing? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on. Good, Kyle. As long as I see you. Yeah, uh, we love having you on, Ryan. Thanks for, for being part of this. And uh, as always, Alessandro, love uh, having you on the podcast. Uh, you can follow Ryan at FNTSYFB Connect, so Fantasy Football Connect, no A's. You really ace that. Follow Alessandro at AM underscore Senator, and I am at Nyama underscore KS. Dean Williams was unavailable tonight, and we hope we'll have him back shortly. Uh, but we'll focus tonight on Ryan. Uh, you provide Dynasty Fantasy Football content for Going for Two, and you are a co-host on the Armchair Fantasy Show. Our previous episode had uh, your co-host, Jeff Lambert, on, who's our oh, yeah. kind of head honcho at Going for Two. So uh, why don't you talk a bit about yourself, Ryan? Been kind of all over the place. Uh, I was with Fantasy Football 24-7 before, podcast there. And once that kind of went away, I, Jeff gave me the opportunity to be on the podcast here for right for a little bit and uh he actually had me on as a guest as i first getting kind of started about two years ago now so kind of just been trying to grind through uh yeah then and that's uh that i mean your participation that definitely predates my days with going for two i've been there maybe about a year now just a little over yes yeah, that's, that's an awesome group there's what 10 of us now uh about that really about a dozen yeah section. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really quite connected. I know we've been talking as much uh, during this uh, Scott Fishbowl week as I have in my uh, league chats and pick chats and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's been it's, it's uh, crazy, it's awesome. and it's all year, and it's it's pretty fun to be part of. I'm gonna, it really is. I haven't done too much writing for going two for two yet. I have one article idea kind of coming up. Um, still haven't talked to Jeff about that. I probably should. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so I know you do a lot of Dynasty content and evaluation on, on rookies and what's coming up in for Dynasty League. So can you talk a bit about your process? Uh, for the rookies and, like, Dynasty, uh, normally I start watching – I watch these amount of college football, but I'll start watching the film pretty heavily right around the end of the football season, like, in the playoffs, depending on how Baltimore does and how <laughs> depressed I am. So and I kind of just – as I go through the year and as I see things on Twitter, people saying our names, I just kind of mark down the players, go to watch those off of that. And it's just been a process of seeing, like, through trial and error, what pops on a player and what makes them stand out and kind of going back through afterwards to do it. Then, obviously, looking at the numbers, I'm not a huge analytical guy when it comes to rookies, just because of the fact college is so skewed for me. And the competition varies so much. It's mm-hmm. kind of an eye test and just going off the different traits you have, like the three receivers, how they're getting open. It's not if they're just wide open to the system, if they're beating the corner off press coverage, or it's like little things that show up you just have to kind of pay attention to and kind of just building from there and seeing what I like. And it's turned into spreadsheets with crazy numbers and grading that I think I'm the only person who makes sense to. But it's <laughs> starting to like starting to come together. Refining the process. I know I'm trying to, I uh, feel like a bit better grasp on running backs, certainly, but I know at other positions I still have a lot of work to do in order to properly evaluate. I remember a couple of years ago in Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes class, I thought Deshaun Kaiser was going to be the best out of them, and that I'm pretty wrong there. <laughs> Couldn't be wronger. Uh, yeah, QB is the hardest, man. There's so much variation and so much to do the system. It's, it's one of those things you have to kind of watch flashes. It makes it a little more difficult. Well, now that Sean Kaiser's on my favorite team, the Packers, so I guess that that's something. Apparently he wants to be a Super Bowl MVP. I, I mean, yeah. that, he could in 15 years, maybe. <laughs> he's, he's, take, he's taking Rodgers' job, man. Fired. <laughs> Move out the way, Rodgers. Move out the way. <laughs> uh, so, Alessandro, do you have any questions for Ryan? Nah, man. I, you know me. I, I, I have very little questions. I just like to get Duke in and out. <laughs> always confrontational and i guess that's what makes it so much fun right because if we all agreed then these shows would be boring uh now the other thing you do ryan other than dynasty is you did some uh projections for 2019 and uh, it's pretty impressive full team projections going right from quarterback to all the skill positions do you want to talk a bit about the process of that and maybe use examples from your team the ravens yeah i i can through the ravens example um with all the teams i start out i look at their transfer from prior years, 
pass attempts, rush attempts, all that. I normally start with the quarterbacks. Uh, Baltimore was one of the more difficult ones because there's a huge change of the guard. So we had not only Flacco leave halfway through the year, Lamar Jackson take over. Also have a new offensive coordinator, Marty or Marty Morningway's finally gone, thank God, because he was an absolute joke, and Greg Roman. So that makes me have to kind of go back and look at Greg Roman's prior experience, what his offense looked like, how many attempts he goes off of with his prior quarterbacks. With the Ravens, Roman kind of was an easier transition for a QB change because he had guys with similar skill sets to Lamar Jackson. He had... Colin Kaepernick before that, Tyrod Taylor, even Alex Smith, who's a fairly athletic guy, so made kind of projecting the offense make a little bit more sense. But then just kind of curtailing it around their uh, skill set and what they have. Um, after I put off uh, projections for the quarterbacks, I go, I base it off their completions, yards per attempt, and kind of go from there to build everything out um, and kind of formulas to go through it. And after I have the, all the completions, I have that total number just subtracting from it to build out from my receivers and same thing with my total rush carries that I have projected based off the prior years. Uh, and I mean, I've heard other people talk about their projection process and it seems like it's always the same thing. Always start from the quarterback. That's what's going to determine your numbers across your team. Uh, even as, simple down to run pass splits, right? So I think that's that's a good sign when you hear someone talking about starting from quarterback. It means they're doing it right, at least from that step. Yeah, um, and like, like Baltimore's weird because they're so even for it, like almost dead even, 50-50 split between rushes and passing. Uh, is there any uh, particular player that you, you feel like you're a little higher on in terms of their production for this year or a little lower on than what some people are saying? With Baltimore, um, they're kind of cool with how different they are. I think Lamar Jackson should have a good year. Sorry, my dog is a complete jerk. Um, does he not he like Lamar be... Jackson, or does he love Lamar Jackson? What's the, what's the sign on your dog barking? Uh, he loves Lamar Jackson. He knows that stick up for him all the time. Uh, but, so last year, Lamar Jackson, in the games he started, once he got the starting role in place, he had 24 pass attempts a game, which honestly is a lot more than most people thought he was going to get if you include the playoffs. With that, I obviously, he should improve a little bit. A better offense, QBK, uh, offense coordinator has a reason. So I have him improve just three pass attempts a game, put him up 27. And then his yards per attempt going up a little bit because he has much better weapons. Last year, Crabtree and John Brown were in the 60s and 90s for target separation, and they were tops in the league, like in the top tier in the league for drops, which really helped dampen the production. So I have his yards per attempt up to 7.4 yards, which is about the same lines as Mitch Trubisky. Mixing that in with his, and I'll put some right around the 3,200 passing yard mark. Uh, mixing that in with his running production, which we've saw, he's going to be right around 4,000 yards total offense in my books, which puts him right in that keep low end range. I just honestly had 17, 17 pass attempts a game or rush attempts a game last year, which is not sustainable. But his efficiency was not high in that, so I, I put his efficiency a little bit closer to what you saw Greg Roman's quarterbacks have, who were all around between 5.5 and 6.5 yards per attempt, and cut his rushing attempts to the half, so I put him around 775 yards. So that's why I have Lamar where he is, and I think there is going to be a huge improvement with the offense. The other guy who really stands out to me, and I think I brainwashed all of Gun for two on, is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was uber uber efficient last year. He was the he's the third most receiving yards for a rookie tight end since uh, Gronk's rookie year, not including that year. So Evan, uh, Evan Ingram had more, and I can't think of the other guy. He's some no name who watched that league yards per reception. Yards per target were second in the league. His target separation was top five in the league. He got open, and Lamar Jackson's efficiency, was, he was most efficient up the seam, which is right where Andrews works. And he's one of the more athletic tight ends in the league, and he had 
the third most the third most yards per reception, so he can make plays down the field, which should be huge to help open up that offense. And I also have him as the team's leading receiver with 65 receptions per tops on that offense. I know the you obviously probably watched more Ravens games than I did, but certainly at the end of the season, uh, I can think back to those last few games, the both Chargers games, it seemed like Andrews had the most chemistry with Jackson. I argue the best pass Jackson threw all season was that uh, seam pass to Andrews where they were against uh, the Chargers zone and he put it right between two defenders. I mean, there were... They weren't right on Andrews, but they were pretty close enough that he couldn't really be off the mark and gave it to Andrews in stride, took it to the house. Yeah, that might have been his best, best pass attempt all season. It was fantastic. And like I said, you're right. They have unbelievable chemistry. There was nobody else he trusted more last year. He hit Willie Sneed a decent amount, but those are kind of just short dump-offs because he goes about four yards downfield and just kind of finds holding zone. Andrews is the guy who was making plays. Well, let me ask you this. I want to interject here because, um, as many of you listeners know, I am in Gamecock country. I'm down here in South Carolina. And the Ravens haven't picked up the number two wide receiver slash he's an actual tight end, uh, Hayden Hurst. Do you think Hayden Hurst, because he, he did get hurt his rookie year, and he came back. He's Well, he's coming back. Do you think Hayden Hurst will have a bigger effect on the offense? Do you think Mark Andrews will be – that guy again, or will Hayden Hurst actually shine and show what he did down in South Carolina? Uh, Hayden Hurst is kind of a wild card for them. Uh, obviously, he was first round pick. He was the draft capital. He was my top. That's right. He was my top tight end. Andrews was my third that year. So they're both high, but they bring such different skill sets. Hayden Hurst is so versatile. He's a fantastic blocker. He's that guy who can be in line and be a more traditional tight end, where Andrews is more of the split-out, make plays down the field type guy. I think they're both spent a lot of time on the field. Last year, the Ravens had more two and three tight end sets than any team in the league. So they're both going to the field. I think Andrews is going to get the higher yards for care. I think he'll get more targets. But I think Hurts may work more as like a safety blanket on those short yards plays. So you're looking at Hurst being a um, touchdown-dependent type of tight end and uh, Andrews being more against the yardage? Yeah, absolutely. I think, <laughs> I think Hurst is going to get uh, more touchdown-dependent, more uh, variable per game, where I think Andrews is going to see more consistent volume. All right. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, Ravens analysis. And, uh, again, you probably watch most games, if not every game, so... Uh, trusting that I know there's things I agree with I like the Mark Andrews take um, and yeah we'll we'll definitely see I like that Justice Hill has quite a few uh, carries it says 120 here is what you project for him I kind of like to see that I know I've been touting Justice Hill on this show maybe more so than uh, I should I did take him in the first round of a, of a rookie draft in a dynasty league so hopefully that pays you off got, you need to stop um, being a Jackson Ravens fans man we're bad influence. Like, I feel like everybody just kind of got on my excitement. Well, on, on the Andrews thing, again, I noticed that last year watching. So that I was on the Andrews hype before that. And uh, actually, I really love Justice Hill's tape pre-draft. I had him at uh, my RB2, I think, pre-draft. And then I think as low as RB4, I wouldn't go any lower than that, really. I like him there. I know Daryl Henderson's getting love. But uh, I don't know. I just think there's something there with Justice Hill. And I think he's a good offense to be in. I love Justice Hill. I, uh, we were doing a live draft podcast with the guys with Finalysis, and I was on for like most the end of the second and all the third round. Had a few too many drinks in me. In the entire third round, I'm like, I just want Justice Hill fall in love more. Like, I wanted him so bad. I'm a huge fan of his explosiveness. I think he's going to be a little less in the passing game than people think he's going to be, but I think his big playability should open up a lot in that offense, especially with Lamar. Yeah, I noticed you had him for 15 receptions only, so that was a little sad for me. But <laughs> Brian, the thing you got to know about Kyle is if he can take Justice Hill over Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley, he will in a heartbeat. Uh, I mean, we know not Zeke. I just took Zeke 101 in the Scott Fishbowl, so I definitely... Yeah, I'm so mad at you about that, Kyle. I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah, I remember you took Barkley, and we discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> he went 1.1 of mine, too, in my division. Zeke did? Yeah, I yeah I looked in in my conference. It was either Zeke, 
Kamara, or sorry, not Kamara, Zeke, CMC, or Barkley. So, yeah. Barkley went third in mine. Barkley went third in mine as well. I think anywhere in those top three. Uh, actually, I was yeah, in... Did you think Le'Veon in the Yost leagues? Oh, yeah. I, Le'Veon's definitely I, I, gone. I took Le'Veon. Oh, yeah. That's right, yeah. 111, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bell Mixon, right? That's a... Yeah. <laughs> I know my... My friend Akili yeah. would love that. He loves both those players right from the college tape, so... I heard we're talking from Jets. I'm glad Docs love Bell. All right, well, actually, you know, let's transition to that. Uh, Alessandro, the Jets are your team, so let's talk about the Jets. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you walk us through your process for the Jets? So, I like the Jets team. I think a fairly decent amount. I don't think my numbers are what Jets fans want to see, but I like what they have. I like Sam Darnold. I think he has all the ability to be a star quarterback. He was actually my top QB in that draft class. So I'm a very big fan of his. I think his upside is tremendous. And I think they're building around him the right way. Um, I think they're going to pass a lot, man. I had him for 533 attempts and completed just under 60% of his passes. So I'm just shy of 4,000 passing yards. And I have Robbie Anderson as his top guy, which I feel like makes sense. I think he's the guy who's on the verge of being a wide receiver, too. A lot of what Le'Veon Bell I think is misconstrued with Gase is because how Gase used Kenyon Drake in Miami's offense because that offense is bad like those weapons were not good they weren't the best using um, there's actually somebody who we uh, Brian Strait I can't even say he works for uh, he went back and was looking at Gase and when he was with Matt Forte and put how he was around that 275-280 mark with rushes and ton of receptions, like 60, 60, 70 receptions a year, and he used him as the focal point of the offense, I can see Le'Veon Bell being used that same way. So I have Bell pretty high. I have him at 297 carries, 1,247 yards, nine touchdowns, 74 receptions, 500 receiving yards. I think that offense rolls around him. He's going to be Donald's safety blanket. If he gets in trouble, he has that dump off who knows how to make plays. I live in Pittsburgh, although I'm a Ravens fan. And I spent years watching Le'Veon Bell. He's he's the real deal, man. He's an elite running back who's just so creative with what he can do with the ball. It doesn't matter the system. He's the guy who's going to produce. All right. Well, Alessandro, I, I, you're the, the Jets expert here. So uh, what do you want to talk about on these projections? Well, I'm looking at your projections, Ryan. And I have some tweaks, both positive and negative. Okay. I would say he throws closer to four. You have him at three point seven. I'm gonna say he's gonna throw three nine, almost four, but not he's not gonna hit four. I'll throw in one more touchdown and two more interceptions because Sam he's gotta shake that book. That's that's my key for Sam. Le'Veon, I love the numbers. You know, I would throw in at least one or two more touchdowns rushing. Because you you are right, we are going to lean heavily on Le'Veon. Um, Powell, he's going, he's there, and so he's going to get some love. You know, he's probably going to get about three hundred some yards, but McGuire is definitely going to be the RB two. As far as wide receivers, I'm sorry, man, I got to do it. Robbie, twelve hundred yards. He is going to be our thousand yard wide receiver. He's going to do it. I have every confidence that he will. You got him at nine twenty seven. I'm just going to bubble up. Give him over that thousand yard mark. Give him 1100, 1200, and maybe like one or two more touchdowns. As far as the other guys, they're block receivers, so I don't see them in a whole a lot. Maybe Q will, if he gets healthy, will get about 500. But everyone else, if you got Crowder at 550, Josh Bellamy, I don't know what he could do to be completely honest. So yeah, I would say 112. Those <laughs> guys, I'm fine with Herndon. That's the one I want. To grind you a little bit about last, Chris Herndon was named rookie to the rookie um, All Pro, and he is good. This kid is phenomenal, and I had my doubts about him. And so he's going to be closer to a thousand yards. You got him seven thirty six, and I like that number. I'm going to give him, let's say nine thousand, because this kid is phenomenal. He and Sam had such chemistry in the latter part of year one, and that you know he kept fire and he. He, he outbullied all tight all other rookie tight ends but in yardage and touchdowns. So I feel like that connection is still going. And you're right about the dump off. It's sick. Bam. 
He's going to dump off to Le'Veon, and he's definitely going to dump off to Herndon, and so that's where those yardage is really going at. And other than that, I like these projections. They, they're they're about spot on for uh, what the Jets are going to do. With um, those two guys getting that much yards, with Herndon slash uh, Robbie Anderson getting that much, how many yards do you have Donald at? I got Donald at 39, okay. so I'm dialing back Crowder and Q. And so that's where those yards is coming in. Because Crowder, like I said, Crowder and Q, they're slot receivers. Those are yeah. the guys that are just going to get you over that, you know, first down mark. So th- th- that's where those guys come in. You know, it, and it could be completely wrong. You know, Q could be the 1,000-yard wide receiver, but he's been hurt too much that I think that they're just going to keep him in the slot role and use him like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason I have them where they are, Harden finishes my – Kind of wide, he's at my wide receiver nine right now, or tight end nine for my projections. Uh, my projections are a little different by ranking. I have him as ninth most points for tight ends, which is pretty solid. I like Robbie Anderson. Last year he had 94 targets with, what, he missed a couple games? He missed two games. Yeah, he missed two games. Uh, and, he caught, uh-huh. and so he caught 50 balls off of it. And so if you had another maybe 15 targets, that's why I had him run that 60 catch range. But 15 yards receptions a lot, man. I know he's fast. Like, he's absolutely electric. But people are starting to learn about him. He's going to draw better coverage, I think. Uh, it might make it a little bit harder to keep up with at that pace, even though I do have a 15 too. Mm, yeah, I, will, I, I can see that. But he, he, I, he, you forget, he is really fast. And that's the one thing, because he was in that 44 gold, and he beat Alvin Kamara, and he went on before he lost. He's fast, man, and and, and, and uh, that's the one thing cornerbacks and safeties don't really understand. They just because they see the words Jets and they don't care. And <laughs> Robbie, man, he's gone. That, that's the one bright spot in our receiver core. Yeah, I mean Robbie's fast. Kamara's trying to be even racing. He ran like a four or five in the combine. Like he is fast. People think he is. He's just quick. But yeah, Anderson's explosive. I think he's a guy I'm drafting in those mid rounds when I have the chance. I'm. Very excited about him, especially in Dynasty. Uh, yeah, for Rob, so Robbie, because uh, I'm actually about to put out my own rankings soon. Robbie, he's going to be my wide receiver 28. Herndon's going to be my tight end 7. Bell's going to be my running back 3. And Sam's going to be my QB 17. So those guys are the ones you're going to watch out for. And, and yes, a little bit because of my biasness, I won't be a little biased, you know. Yeah, a lot of good points there uh, you guys made. I know Alessandro's always pushing the Jets. So here, I, I, the one thing I was maybe a little surprised about looking at these projections, again, not knowing the Jets certainly as much as Alessandro and all the work you've done here, Ryan, probably not as much as you. Uh, but knowing how much Sam Darnold targeted slot receivers last year, I was a little surprised to see Crowder, the probably projected slot receiver most of the time have less receptions than Herndon. So is that a more faith in Herndon's ability or, or you not believe in Crowder? I think it's the talents going to top. Like Crowder is and beat up when not, he hasn't played 16 games in a long time. They don't have chemistry yet. The young quarterbacks, they tend to trust their guys who they've been with their young tight ends. I kind of have him get the same volume for the same reason Andrews has, because that's their guy who, they built chemistry with last year. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, he logical. Had, he had 56 targets last year. Plus, Quincy and Inouye in Crowders, they kind of play the same role, and they make. I think they're going to cannibalize each other's targets a little bit. Ah, uh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, okay. And then combined, they would have more receptions than Herndon, so I guess that, that, that works out. Good. Uh, Alessandro, any final notes before we move on to the next team? I would just like to say that... Um, you, you may want to keep your eye on on uh, Nua and Crowder because you are right; they do play the same slot. So that's a that's going to be a fight in camp that we're going to have to watch closely because that will determine who Sam will target more, and that will affect his numbers. So if uh, if if I'm thinking this is right, and Jane and Crowder wins out, we could definitely see a skew higher up towards the fourth down range for Sam if. Q wins out, it's a hit or miss, depending on if he's healthy. Who do you uh, wall it out, or who do you think will? 
Robbie wins outside threat at wide receiver one. I think Crowder wins wide receiver two as inside the number slot. Q's going to be outside number, or he's going to be another slot on the other side. And uh, Bellamy, he's going to be a backup to Q, with Q and Bellamy be a rotational right there. Rotational 3-4. Okay. Yeah, Bellamy's more of just that return guy, special teams type of guy, like those gadget plays. Especially since we let Andre Roberts go after he just won... That's our first ever special teams bid. Bellamy was like, because my one league, I mean, maybe there's a ton of points in there. Bellamy was one of those guys that kind of targeted late because of his special teams ability. Yeah, it's always important to know that leagues and where you can go with those guys that do play special teams and do returns because a random touchdown a week might be enough if you plug them in at the right time. Yeah, or if it's like one of those 0.25 or like 0.2 per uh Return yards. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of leagues where it's point one hundred, or uh, you know, a point every one hundred. Yeah, so point zero zero one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, or point zero one, I guess. Um, so yeah, there's, but yeah, if you can increase that, certainly the return yards could help sway things and give it a bit more consistent production. Hey, Cal. Yeah. Talk to me about Deshaun Kaiser being your MVP. Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, Rogers presumably has another at least four or five seasons probably as long as he remains healthy so uh you know eight nine years from now i could see deshaun kaiser being an mvp i think he's got enough talent that the packers probably should keep him on and then don't really think he, i mean he played so horrible in cleveland that i don't really think there's teams that are going to be offering big contracts for him as a backup quarterback so well, the packers could probably keep him pretty cheap for the next few years so uh i i, I like the competitiveness with him and you know, I like that he's planning for a 10-year career in the NFL because that's probably what it's going to have to take to get an MVP. Well, he started as Cleveland quarterback, so, I mean... Yeah, I know where to go, but up. Hugh Jackson's quarterback. <laughs> oh, you got to remind me, when you asked about like kind of the process for watching rookies, Kaiser is a very perfect example. When he was coming out, I, you watched the games, wow, I never race, like kind of skewed him and Josh Allen. It was against, like, Nebraska or some of the defense and he just did absolutely terrible like three or four picks against a defense that's put out a lot of NFL caliber people the game I always go to those games first when they're playing like the best of the best teams I know whenever I watch rookies I always try and you know initial take three tapes one of a team that's higher ranked than them and as high ranked as I can possibly find one that's ranked around them and their team ranked lower and see how they kind of do against three tiers of competition but yeah I think the emphasis on those higher end teams is probably what they're going to face in the NFL. Anyway, I think we've talked about the Sean Kaiser way too much. Let's talk about the rest of the <laughs> Packers who actually matter for fantasy football. Um, so, Ryan, uh, go through a bit of the process with the Packers. So, I have Rodgers kind of on pace for what he's done in his career. I think he's going to be back on. I mean, if you look at Rodgers' pass attempts, 597, 238 the year, he was hurt, 610, 572, 520. 552, like it's right around that high 500 range. So I just have him right on par for that 588. I always, I always feel a little bit low on all my projections. I never kind, of, I never get towards their ceilings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. I uh, have 8.1 yards per attempt, which is, like I said, right on par. He's goes between seven four. He's been around between like 7.1 and 9.2 his whole career. Kind of split the difference. A little towards the lower end, a little higher than he's been the last couple of years. So I think the offense is going to change a little bit. And I kind of like his weapons. I don't know who's going to be the guy, the secondary guy to step mm. up, but I like that. Plus, I think they're going to run a little bit more than last year with the new offense. So a lot of curiosity on how it's actually going to look. But kind of keeping it on par with Rodgers being one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, and having that elite production. Uh, and I had my projections around the same. I made a set of Packers projections a little bit ago. I've had them kind of ready. And then this idea came up. You sent the projections over to everyone at Going For Two. And thank you for doing that. It's I've kind of referenced them at times in research for fantasy this year. So it's always good to have different sets of projections to look at and see where things are at. And yeah, like you mentioned, in terms of attempts, I, I figure Rodgers is going to get anywhere between probably 560 to 590 attempts. It seems where he's been most of his career. I uh, also had him for 
I went a little lower. I wasn't as optimistic. I didn't think I put him at 7.8 yards per attempt. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a little lower on the yards. I ended up with 4,200 instead of 4,700. But the touchdown numbers are the same. They're close to the same. I have 31 here. So uh, I think he should be productive. Uh, Actually, and it's funny because, again, I didn't didn't consult yours before I did this, but I have exactly 109 receptions for Devontae Adams and exactly 42 receptions for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So it's funny that we were lockstep there. Very nice. I have uh, Adams at a bit higher. You had him at 12.2 yards per reception. I had him up um, 13.7. So I end up with uh, 1,370 yards. I know there's talk of him maybe being used in the slot, but it does seem... Through training camp, he's been a lot more used more on the outside, so I figure he can at least get 12 yards perception, maybe more. I'd say the one area we differ the most is uh, maybe on the receptions to the running backs. So you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams combining for 48 receptions. Mm-hmm. I, I have them combining for 70 receptions. Uh, yeah. So in the offense, uh, just uh, hearing through minicamp the things that Matt LaFleur is talking about, one of them is a lot quicker throws and trying to give Rodgers options that are still beyond the line of scrimmage. And so I think running backs running more screens and slant routes. And Jamal Williams talked about running things like choice routes and giving them a bit more freedom to go downfield. I know with McCarthy, McCarthy it was a lot of dump offs behind the line of scrimmage. And as much, every time I see Aaron Jones get the ball back there, I would think why he's, he's a, he's a good downfield receiver. And I kind of expect LaFleur to use that more and Rogers to see that. I don't think Rogers wants to dump down. He wants to push the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. So if those receiver, if those running backs are there, now I kind of, at least in the receiving game, projected Jones and Williams together. Uh, they'll combine. I, I have I have them combining for ninety four targets, which would be second on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just knowing where that split's going to be. Uh, it seemed through minicamp both got first team reps pretty equally, and I think training camp is really going to be the answer there. If they continue to do that, I could see this season being something where they're both on the field about fifty percent of the time. Aaron Jones may get more carries than Williams. Here you have it pretty equally split too, actually. 177, 165. I could see maybe a bit more of a disparity there, but uh, maybe closer on the receptions. So we'll we'll have to see and monitor through training camp that. I think the one position group that I expect, because again, the attempts are going to be about the same. So for me to raise receptions for running backs, I lower them for tight ends. Uh, you have Jimmy Graham for about 49 receptions. I only have him for 36. Sternberg he had for twenty two. I don't. I don't. I don't know. For a rookie, that could be lofty. Rogers doesn't tend to pass too much to the tight end, especially with the reviews he's been giving to Allison and Valdez Scantling on the outside. I kind of expect target boost for both of them. And okay. you, you asked Ryan, who do you think the number two receiver is? I, I think it might be Geronimo Allison. I could envision okay. uh, the way Rogers targeted Randall Cobb, especially the twenty fourteen season where he saw one hundred and twenty four targets from the slot. I don't necessarily expect that for Allison, but we've seen Rodgers. If he likes a second guy beyond his first, he will lock into him and pepper him with targets. I looked up the numbers just to kind of see it, historical. Is it possible to get two Packers receivers with 100 targets? It's happened four times in history. The two of them were actually Rodgers' first two seasons where he had great job. Uh, actually, yeah, that was one year. Yeah, 2014, they both had over 100 targets. There was uh, two years with Donald Driver and Greg Jennings where both got over 100 targets. And then uh, there was the 2016, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. So it's not unusual. Uh, so I have Allison, maybe not quite at 100, but 91 targets. Up okay. To, I think that puts him, I have him at 72 receptions for about 890 yards. So I'm a little... Too far off. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe I have a lower yards per reception, just a higher target share from the slot. So that's, yeah. I think, where we differ on. Uh, I do expect Jimmy Graham to get use in a red zone a bit more, so I have him at five touchdowns, not three. But I actually I was quite amazed at how similar a lot of our things were. Yeah, just running back situation got me nuts, man. Yeah, like, I have no idea what to make. Yeah, <laughs> um, one thing, the one dream I heard on two two podcasts I was listening to was the kind of argument with Jones and Lafleur about him wanting to run out of the eye and run play action, turning his back on the defense which Rogers doesn't want to do, which mm. with that being part of the 
offense, I feel like that leads more towards Jamal Williams' skill set, which kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, I know the one thing maybe working in Jones' favor is that uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, more college, but he ran a, a similar zone blocking scheme in college, whereas Williams kind of used to the McCarthy one gap. He might need to adjust in that. So we'll see with either of those. I, I Again, I think training camp holds a lot more answers than we have right now on the running back usage. Yeah, the, I feel like Packers are one of the teams who has a ton of talent, but a ton of questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I may have jumped gun on Steinberg. I'm probably going to lower his. He, I did these pretty close to the draft, mm-hmm. and he was a guy I was really excited about. Like, I'm a big fan of his game. I thought he was super explosive up the middle of the seam routes and very, very talented receiver tight end. But I may have been a year or two too early for even the 22 receptions. So I'll probably lower that and more towards the running backs. If they had cut Jimmy Graham in the offseason, I think he would have got up there. And I, again, and it's not the worst tight end mistake that the Packers have made in the last few years. That will always be having Brandon Bostick on the team. For those that remember the 2014 NFC Championship game, it's uh, it's almost insulting to call him a tight end. He just played special teams, and he couldn't even do that right. But uh, certainly I've, I've been vocal about not being a fan of that Graham contract the moment it was signed. I mean, they cut Jordy Nelson for, oh, they didn't want to pay him, and then they went and paid Graham right after. I thought that was uh, – I, I didn't like that. I thought they had similar skill sets, and you may as well keep the guy that Rodgers had chemistry with. Pay him that $11 million. and So I don't know. I've never been a fan of Graham. Maybe it skewed it, but uh, – I don't think he's going to get a target share like he did last year. He was second on the team last year with 89 targets, and a lot of that came when guys like Allison and Cobb were injured. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Jimmy Graham, he's close, he's close to wash. Very close to wash, I think. Mm-hmm. Alessandra, I know we've been hogging it a little bit here. Do you want to chime in on the Packers at all? I mean, for me, the Packers is a situation that I know not of. Not like you, Kyle. Um, it, it, for me, Jimmy Graham, that moment, you're right. He, he, he's a wild card there. So is uh, Jay Sternberger. Um, I don't know who's going to come out on top because Jimmy Graham was that you know really dominant, you know, tight end, and who knows? Maybe it took a maybe the season that he comes back out because he's got a deep quarterback and. Yeah, he's just going to go balls to the wall again, touchdowns and yards, who knows. Or it could be Stormberger that just like, comes out. That tight end situation, that's scary. The running back situation, I'm pretty sure my Jets have a better running back situation than you guys. You guys have – I shouldn't say that. You guys have really good running backs. They're Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I like them both. Here's the problem. If you guys are on a committee, that means it, it, you're saying, all right, I want to – Hold more. I want to make Rogers throw the ball more, rather than have these guys run the ball because you're just going to keep rotating in and out, and, that, and that's good. It keeps the running back fresh, but you just never know, and so that that makes your running game from a fantasy standpoint like crapshoot because you don't know who's going to be in the game, you don't know what's going to happen. Like Aaron Jones could go 215 yards, but he doesn't start the game. 250 yards, two touchdowns. But he doesn't start the game. The report that everyone reads says Jamal Williams just started the game, and he only got 50 yards and no touchdowns. Well, you just screwed yourself when you got Aaron Jones. So uh, that running back situation, those two, they're handcuffed together at best. Like You have to play both of them if you want to play anyone from Green Bay as far as the running back situation. And wide receiver situation, Devontae Adams, Jamal Allison, and it's either going to be St. Brown or Valdez Scanling. It's that those two, they can be interchangeable. I feel like Valdez Scanling will probably be wide receiver three, but it's it's Adams and Allison. That's that's the pecking order right there. And Adams, um, you got him at 13, 29 for yardage. I would say that's about right, maybe a little bit more in terms of yardage. He probably will get Allison. I think they'll have dual thousand yard wide receivers, Allison and Adams. I can see that, but other than that, um, besides Rogers and those two guys, I don't trust anyone else on the Packers. Just to speak on the Valdez Scantling St. Brown, it, I, it seems the one big difference there is that Valdez Scantling is starting, at least what he was in minicamp. So that's 
maybe somewhere to distinguish those two, but it seemed like a lot of players got first team reps throughout minicamp, so that to take the starters as uh, maybe with a bit of grain of salt, but uh, it seems to be positive from what I hear from Valdez Scanlon. Uh, so now, now that we've uh, covered our th- our three teams, we thought it'd be a good idea to delve into some individual players just on perceptions we think. So Ryan, you ready to do that? I do, and I kind of threw a little bit of curveball. Um, I updated David Montgomery. We were going to do David Montgomery first. Okay. I made few little tweaks to his projections kind of after we talked at the beginning of the show. I just hadn't got to it yet because mm-hmm. the, okay. like I said, I did these projections originally. I started on them maybe three weeks after the draft. So more news has come, more changed. This is probably going to not look anything like it does half week three of training camp. But um, everything we're hearing about David Montgomery has been fantastic. They love him. He's super versatile. Um, I originally had him around 175 carry mark. I upped him to 225. I think we've seen Jordan Howard, who hasn't been versatile at all, just a one-dimensional running back, get 252, 276, 250 uh, rush attempts in the season. And David Montgomery's of that mold. He can get that. Uh, only reason I don't have him getting the 250 is Mike Davis is a solid back, so I have him at 155 carries as well. So right now, Montgomery at 1,057 rushing yards, averaging 4.7 pop. I think their offensive line is fantastic. They have enough weapons to keep guys out of the box and keep defenses honest. Um, for seven touchdowns, 21 receptions, 151 receiving yards. I don't have any receiving touchdowns. He may get a little few more receptions than I originally thought, but Tree Cone kind of keeps that a little bit separate. Okay, and I mean, I know one of the things I was going to comment on was I kind of expected David Montgomery to get at least 200 carries, so, I mean, you covered that, so I guess I have no choice but to agree with everything you just said. Yeah, so, sorry to throw the curveball <laughs> on that. I think you guys picked themselves a little bit lower on it, but it was one of those things that's changed over the last month and a half. Yeah, I guess to me that was maybe the one sort of, as my first glance through, that was one of the two egregious things, like, ooh, David Montgomery, under 200 carries. Because I know if I talked about my process to evaluate running backs, I had Montgomery as the number one running back in the class. And really after the draft, I didn't think the Josh Jacobs pit necessarily swayed me. I kind of viewed them in similar situations for both teams. There's a pass catching running back there, whether it's Jalen Rashad, Tariq Cohen. Uh, but that, uh, the, you know, we expect both rookies to get a big bulk of carries. Decent offensive lines, fairly young quarterbacks. I guess maybe the big difference is Matt Nagy's offense probably is better than John Gruden. So it's kind of why I lean Montgomery, in, at least in these rookies. I know uh, in our Going for Two Writers League, which is a uh, redraft, not dynasty, uh, I uh, my strategy, uh, not necessarily going in, but just how the draft fell, I went Michael Thomas, Mike Evans first. So at the third, Montgomery was the last running back I really wanted, and uh, I was kind of happy to get him as my RB1. Maybe it'd be a bit risky, but uh, I know I'm pretty high on him, so we'll see how that goes. All right, so for Derrick Henry, for me, you have him right now. You have him going for 272 rushes, 1,278.4 yards, 11 touchdowns, and he's going to catch 62 times, 415 yards. That's Deion Lewis's. That's Deion Lewis's? I have Deion Lewis for 62 receptions, yeah. You you put Henry's carries, Deion Lewis's receiving. Whoopsies, that is my bad. All right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was, uh, wow, are we drafting Derrick Henry as RB1? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, that's what's going on. All right, so, my bad. He actually happened at 17 receptions and 139 yards, zero touchdowns. There we go. I Okay, now my argument is way skewed. I have to fight you on this. I really do think Derrick Henry is going to do that well, just not that well, if you know what I mean. Um, I do think he, I think he'll actually break the 300 uh, attempt mark, and I think he will get um, at least 1,300, maybe 1,400 yards, and possibly 13 touchdowns. I think it, his stats will be a little bit boosted. Not the receiving, please don't quote me on the receiving. That's all he will lose. Um, <laughs> But I really do think it is because it's between him and Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis 
I, I don't know what it's about. Players when they leave New England, they seem to fall off a little bit. I guess because they are a system kind of, you know, where it helps. So I guess you call Tom Brady system QB. Yes, I'm calling <laughs> out there for those listening. Anyways, Dion Lewis, he he just tapered off and he really didn't do much. And then all of a sudden, Derek Henry was like, "All right, we well, you know what? I'm the running back here. I'm going to take this to the house." And he had some angry runs, 99 yards in that one game for the touchdown. That's ridiculous. I mean, the man just decided to actually become an actual legit running back. He's not a complete back. Like, you know, I described earlier, you know, 62 receptions and all that. But he will be. Uh, I fully believe that because of the, of the quarterback situation. You got Mariota, who's hurt, and you got Tannehill, who just came in. So it's going to be a revolving door quarterbacks there in Tennessee. I think Henry will have a larger target share, and he will definitely um, he'll see a lot more love than normal. Yeah, he's... Was not as bad as I feel like people think in where he's getting drafted now. He's been getting super late drafts. And he had 917 total yards offense last year, and nobody noticed because he only had two touchdowns, which killed his production. Just pop a couple, t- he pops in two, three more touchdowns on the season. If that offense had any talent on it, it was going all, he would have been a fairly viable option on most weeks. All right, then. I think that covers uh, at least our what we want to talk about at running back. Now, uh, so based on our couple of mistakes, I think we essentially agree with everything Ryan has projected here. Uh, now, uh, unfortunately, uh, as I mentioned, Dean Williams couldn't make it, but we still wanted to represent the Eagles in some way. So uh, let's talk about Alshon Jeffrey's projections. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead? Okay, um... I had Alshon 73 receptions on the year. I think Wentz is... So good at spreading ball around. I'm extremely high on Wentz, but there were a lot of weapons there. They had between Alshon, Deshaun Jackson, Idle. I think Whiteside, some get some red zone work, and two tight ends, and Earth Scotter. Plus, I think the running backs in Sanders and Clement both can catch passes. I guess I'll spread it around. So I had Alshon at 72 receptions. 972 yards. I'm at 13.5 yards per reception. So nothing like huge big play, but he has no problem throwing down the field and throwing in traffic. And I'm pulling about eight touchdowns. So he's going to be on that borderline wide receiver two area for me, which is kind of, I feel like almost a value for where he's going recently in the drafts. Alessandro, care to comment on Jeffrey? Well, I got to do Dean proud, you know, Kyle. But um, no, I really think Jeffrey is going wide receiver two status because, you know, they got DJX back in uh, Philadelphia, so he's definitely going to be that long ball type, right? And Jeffrey, he can do the long ball, but he's more of that, I wouldn't call him a slot kind of route kind of guy because he goes farther out, but like that little middle edge, and I think that's going to be the sweet spot. You know, I could definitely see Alshon getting some really good numbers, getting that thousand-yard mark, you know, getting a couple touchdowns. Definitely being the, the wide receiver one on the Eagles, but I like Alshon a lot, and I think that he's been a little bit undervalued in most uh, fancy um, drafts. Yeah, he definitely. I think he's definitely a guy who's undervalued, and it's hard not banking an injury with his projections either, just because how consistent he's gone down. I hate talking about the injury kind of thing for anybody, and I try not to put out my projections, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably a little bit baked in. It has to be at this point. It's sad. It really does. I know I have Jeffrey in a couple of weeks, so I kind of am hoping for this type of reduction. And you know, if you can get that close to thousand yards, eight touchdowns is nice. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, you're right there. Yeah, and I think uh, for our state of our second white side, Philly's is so consistent now of having to produce. This is all like not just receiver every single position, especially like on D line. They have guys who produce. And they have a young guy behind them, sit for a year, sit for two years take over they don't miss a beat and i think that's what i'm saying white side he's such a hold for dynasty for me hmm. all right interesting good little tidbit for dynasty there now one player that i'm maybe less likely to agree on with you uh and i don't know if this has also changed a little bit in your projections but uh david moore wide receiver for the seahawks you have him at uh 16.2 catches for just over 260 yards 
Now, he does have a quite a high uh, yards per reception at 16.4, so that kind of speaks to the role you expect of him as a, as a deep threat, and is that why the receptions are so low? No, the reason is he's essentially the wide receiver for this year, and maybe their fifth or sixth person in targets. Obviously, Tyler Lock is a top guy. I think DK Metcalf, obviously, is their number two. He's a physical freak. I, not as high as most people, I don't think. I think he'll produce, but he's definitely going to be on the field as a two. And Jerome Brown's been a guy who's been trusted as the deep threat. That doesn't leave a ton of targets for Morris, especially when we've seen Russell Wilson not have a ton of pass attempts year in year out. I have much less than 461 attempts, which is on the low end for quarterbacks. There's just not a lot of targets to go around. I have Rashard Penny catching 36 balls, Will Disley catching 36 balls. Because Russell does go to the tight ends a decent amount. So I just don't know how much meat's on the bone left for David Miller. Uh, I know for me, it and from what's reported at camp, it seems like he was starting a lot at minicamp. And, you know, Metcalf wasn't as much. So maybe that does eat into the role. I guess the, the shocking thing for me looking at these projections was that Jerron Brown had doubled the receptions of David Moore. I would have thought that had been reversed. So can you speak an insight as to why you think Jerron Brown's going to beat out David Moore? Jerome Brown's a little better receiver. He's been around a little longer. He has a little bit more chemistry. In reality, I'm not taking either one of them <laughs> in fantasy, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah. uh, I'm just leaning a little bit more t- towards him just because he's a little bit more trusted and you kind of know you're going to get a little bit better out of him. Uh, Alessandro, want to speak to David Moore or the Seahawks? Not really. I'm not a fan of David Moore. Um, there is different Moore that I am a bigger fan of, but not David. Are you talking DJ Moore? I'm talking DJ Moore. Oh, I love DJ Moore. Oh, I do too. And and I do write for the Panthers, or excuse me, I am starting to write for the Panthers. And so uh, I have to look at the Panthers in another way. And I'm looking at this the, the, the roster and, you know, you got Christian McCaffrey, which he speaks for himself. I don't, I don't need to say anything about that. And then you got Curtis Samuel, Torrey Smith, uh, DJ Moore, Greg Olson, and you got new signee Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan, he's been a threat in the AFC East for as long as Tom Brady's been there. Actually, no, that's a lot. That's too much. (laughs) He was in Buffalo for a bit, but not that long. No, not that long. Maybe like a year or two. But no, he has been a threat in a lot of people's side. And Curtis Samuel, I do believe that he's going to be a good, solid wide receiver to do. But DJ Moore, he's going to be a solid, solid wide receiver one. He's going to get all the love from Cam Newton and his limited shoulder. And I, and you know, I, I know you, I know you said earlier, Brian, that you don't like to bake, you know, the injury thing into it. But with Cam Newton being a scrambler and that shoulder injury, it, it scares me a lot. So there's going to be a lot of dump balls to Christian McCaffrey on top of the dump balls that Chris McCaffrey's hard are going to be getting. But no, the, the one time, the few times that he will throw, it's definitely going to be DJ Morgan the love. He will just take the ball and just have a ball with it. I mean, the, the, the kid's amazing. You know, watching him last year, watching the highlights, it, it's very limited because, you know, they got the other targets, but – Man, when he actually got the ball, he ran. He got sprint moves. He, he he's fast. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. He's fast. He he was my top receiver in that class. I think number two receiver in that class can Calvin Ridley. I love DJ Moore, man. He can go inside, outside, works the slot, can play outside. He's fantastic. I'm a wide receiver, twenty three right now, with way more upside. I think he has. Potential will be like a Stefan Diggs type player, like a healthy Stefan Diggs. They're kind of like that same light for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I have DJ Moore in my later period. I have him as wide receiver 35, but I have no problems putting this guy at wide receiver 15 or higher. I mean, this kid's been fantastic all throughout training camp. I mean, it says here, else, um, uh, Ryan, that you have uh, more for a thousand yards. I know uh, Travis May, who's a guest we had on uh, a little bit ago, and he is also someone who's been very high on DJ Moore and has been pretty much since he was uh, since the rookie class came out two years ago. So uh, certainly not uh, an opinion that's uh, uncommon in the fantasy industry that Moore will break out. No, I, I, he was one of the guys who I was very excited to get in Dynasty startup this year, who I haven't had any shares of, and I wanted bad. 
Uh, now, I don't, now, maybe another player that can break out, although uh, I know there's been some debate, is uh, can a rookie break out or is it just a rookie season? But uh, you have Noah Fant here for 65 receptions, second on the Broncos, 793 yards and four touchdowns. So do you want to talk about Noah Fant? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so Noah Fant a lot. Obviously, Noah Fant is hyper-athletic. He, he's fantastic to catch a ball down the scene. But more than uh, more than anything for fans, it's a system of Joe Flacco. I've spent years as a Raiders fan. I've spent over a decade now watching Flacco, the ups and downs. But the one thing that's been consistent through Flacco's entire career is his absolute adoration for the tight end position. Whether it's Todd Heath, he's just always on the tight end. It's always been his go-to person, his dump off, his safety blanket. We went to a Ravens game. A few years ago, and it was after he retired, and he still drove with Flacco to the stadium. His connection with tight ends is unbelievable, and Fant's probably the most athletic one he's ever played with. So I think he's a guy who can produce in that offense. I think he'll be that team's number two target receiving game. I'm first 65 receptions, 793 yards, and four touchdowns. TDs are a little bit down because I don't think they're really going to put top points on the board. But I think he's a guy who definitely produced for them. I know. I certainly hope you're correct. I mentioned earlier I took uh, Justice Hill in the first round of a rookie draft, and I ended up with the 110, 111, 112. And one of those back-to-back picks was Justice Hill, Noah Fant. So kind of banking on both of them. But maybe even certainly Fant to maybe produce this year. I wasn't sure what necessarily to expect from a rookie tight end, but you don't seem to have a problem with him coming in into that starting role right away. No, I might be a little bit high on him, to be honest, but I'm completely comfortable having him as a guy in redraft who I can stream if I have him paired up with another tight end who may be a little more consistent, play on matchups, and then go from there. And honestly, I have no problem having him on the team and working him in. Right, right, right. It's okay to be high on no fan. Trust me, I'm riding high on the guy in the mile high. I love Noah Fan too. You know, my, my wife's a Denver Broncos fan. And so I am skewed in that way a little bit. You know, I got to give her shit, but I still love her. But I love Noah Fan. He is going to be absolutely dominant out there in Denver. You know, the situation out there is kind of bleak, I don't want to say, but I want to say, I mean, besides Phil Lindsay, you got Cortland's son. Emmanuel Sanders and Deshaun Hamilton fighting for targets with Cortland Sutton winning. After that, you got a tight end group that's, I won't call it abysmal. Uh, that's, that's the only word I can think of is abysmal. Noah Fant is the shining star in that tight end group, and I love him for it. He will get massive yardage. He will be the guy. The only thing is I would add in more touchdowns. I feel like because he is such a big body guy, he'll definitely get a lot more touchdowns in the red zone. Um, I just overall I just don't see the offense. I don't have the offense moving the ball that well. That's the only reason I have him lower the touchdown. And you also have the running backs combined. It looks uh, to be fifteen rushing touchdowns. So you, it seems like you do expect them to run a fair bit when they are near the goal line. Yeah, they've been pretty vocal about rushing the ball, and I think they have the backs to do it. I really liked Royce Freeman coming out. I thought he was a great twin tackle runner. Uh, kind of similar to that Jordan Howard type skill set. And Philip Lindsay was just an absolute surprise last year. I think you'll see a little bit of regression in attempts and his yards for carry isn't going to be as high as it was. But I think the two of them should still be all produced fairly well. I know I had Royce Freeman, I think, of that draft year. I think I had him as RB5 before the draft. Once the draft happened, I think I moved him down a little bit. You know, someone like Rashad Penny went in the first, moved up a little bit. But I, I know I'm certainly a big fan of Royce Freeman. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the one maybe player on the Broncos that I could see definitely disappointing your projections is Emmanuel Sanders. And that's really just because of health. I know yeah. we're hearing good reports from him, but I mean, we really don't know what he's going to look like coming back from that Achilles injury. 54 receptions might be a little high. I could see that maybe even being half, and as a consequence, maybe moving up guys like Court and Sutton, certainly Deshaun Hamilton, but maybe even also Noah Fant, and maybe they'll all get an extra five, ten receptions from this. Yeah, Sanders is scary. I said, 
I don't really know the injuries left. Or I don't always pick in the injuries. Uh, we had uh, Ethan yeah. Turner on our podcast after I did these talking about the torn Achilles for a guy his age. He, he might be more of a wash. That's going to be one that's adjusted way down. I'm going to have to figure out what the hell to do with where to put those targets at. But I'm sure I'm going to have Simon Hamilton both getting some spread out as well as Finn, maybe a little bit of Hireman as well because he wasn't terrible. But that offense is scary. We don't know if we're going to see Drew Locke, which I'm not comfortable with either. Yeah, I would expect if Drew Locke's in, then these numbers are going to be lower. Certainly the yards per reception someone like Sutton might struggle downfield a bit more if the passes aren't as uh, solid because Flacco, I mean, you would know this better again, being a Ravens fan for so long, but uh, Flacco's still got a pretty good deep ball throw. Flacco slings it, but Flacco goes for that pass interference. He's not going for the <laughs> He's just throwing it off and hopefully somebody hits his receiver. He lived off that John Bradley was there. But yeah, I, that offense, I don't want many parts of it. But I don't mind having fan on my team. I, I really like Sutton. But other than that, I'm really iffy. I don't usually say I'm not going to draft a player because I always feel like if they're late enough, they're going to be a value. But someone I like agree. someone like Sanders, though, I'm going to have such a hard time because I don't necessarily think the safe volume is going to be there. And by the time I'm going to want to draft him, the upside on certain players is just going to be too much for me. And I don't really see the upside being there with him. I know... For me, and this is someone who's probably going a lot higher last year than Sanders this year, but to me, that was LaShawn McCoy last year. I didn't really want to take him, you know, in the first five rounds, which is where you kind of needed to take him based on his projected volume. And then once you get to the sixth round, you look and is his ceiling really that high? Or can I go for someone like, uh, I remember Mark Ingram. I remember that was a a draft decision I had to make last year was McCoy or Ingram. And I'll take the four-game suspension just because I really didn't believe in Buffalo last year, that O-line. And I'm getting that same kind of feeling with Sanders and, I mean, McCoy had a bad season last year, so not the not that I really want to curse Sanders, but I, I'm hesitant. Yeah, I I think he's kind of done for me. I'm he's a guy like I said. I agree with you. I've never said I'm not gonna have a player, but where he's going to draft, I'm gonna go for young guys with upside. I'm not taking an old man on a bad Achilles. Alessandro, any uh, final thoughts on Sanders? I know you have Chris Herndon written down. We already talked about him, so if you wanted to mention any last words on Herndon, feel free as well. I actually, because we already talked about Herndon, I kind of wanted to throw in David Njoku. Okay. Um, uh, Ryan, if, do you mind if we take a little longer? Absolutely not. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah, talk about uh, David Njoku. Uh, actually, do, Alessandro, do you want to start? Yeah. Um, my my thing about David Njoku is he's scary for me mm-hmm. um, in the sense that New, uh, the Cleveland Browns have a lot of star power, and that worries me because you got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Duke Johnson, and the running back position. You got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Galloway. Um, got Richard Higgins, but I'm going to stick to the top three. That is a lot of decent slash upper tier firepower. That David uh, Joku is just going. He's going to be swallowed up, and he's going to be forgotten. And I, I mean, I'm saying he's a big body guy. He can get job done. He's really good at what he does. It's just, I feel like he's about to be swallowed up and we're never going to hear from David Joku ever again. And you have him at 57 receptions, 661 yards. I think that's going to be a lot lower. I'll keep the touchdowns because I think he's going to be a red zone threat, but he, I don't know, man. You got OBJ, who's a drama queen, and he wants the ball. Jarvis Landry, he's a deep throw. He's a deep ball kind of guy. He could, throw, he could run for it. Um, and I hate to say it, but I think Baker Mayfield is being overhyped just because he has a lot of star power. But, like, there's too much going on for all of that to supposedly work. I mean, there's there's too, too many mouths, not enough food to feed. Not too many mouths to feed, not enough food. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's there's too much there. Well, I understand I definitely understand the mouse field. It's super talented team. And there's so many weapons. I mean Odell's a lot for hundred catches. I mean probably more. But the nice thing Odell is he doesn't have to catch a ton of balls to be a wide receiver one. Landry's gonna work with the door finish short routes underneath. He's probably gonna go back a little more we saw I think we're seeing Miami. And I'm actually pretty high on Cowboy. My projections on him are one that's gonna go up. 
I think he's going to see that Deshaun Jackson roll that offense, which we've seen Munkin do for a while. But also, I saw the Tampa Bay offense last year, which kind of get brought over to Cleveland, is the use of tight ends with uh, mainly Cameron Bray, but a little bit of O.J. Howard. I think you can get some of that out of the joke. It's not going to be elite production. He's my tight end 13. That's why I haven't stopped 57 receptions. I think he's still going to be a guy that can dump the ball down the middle. I think he's a guy who can work the seams. I think he works in the out routes. Pretty versatile receiver. And honestly, he's more athletic than Jarvis Landry. I think he's, he can actually take top off a little bit better than him. And he's going to be in so many mismatches, man. Like, you're going to see poor, you're going to see linebackers on him and safety stuck on him. And Baker's just going to eat them up. And Baker in college has a history of going to tight end. Uh, Mark Andrews won the Mackey Award when he was with Baker Mayfield. Like, so he trusts that position. And Joku's a super athlete. That's why I have him where I do. I wish I could have more because I think he's an elite talent. But tight end 13 right now is kind of where I'm comfortable with him. I was looking at the stats from last year, and uh, so in 14 games played for Baker, he had 486 attempts. So I, I just quick, did some quick math, prorated that over a 16-game season. That's 555 attempts. So you, it seems like you gave him a bit of a boost, going to 590, closing in on that 600. So I think logically that could be where Njoku gets maybe more of the bump than what we're expecting and maybe more pass volume than last year. The, the reason I have him up there is the new offense, and I think, like I said, they have a monk in there from Tampa who threw the ball an absurd amount of times last year, and that's why I had Baker's attempts going up, up, up. All right, well, I think, uh, Ryan, I think on behalf of Alessandro and Dean, who's not here, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on to the show. Is there anything you wanted to plug before we left? Yeah, just... Follow us going for two.com. Uh, I have a fancy bus article coming out very soon. I just have to submit it. Um, and then check us out. Check me out on the Going for Two podcast with Jeff Lambert. Uh, right now we're bi weekly. We have some awesome guests coming up. And we'll be weekly come closer to the season. So come catch me there. And give me a follow on Twitter, Ryan Sirfoss at FantasyFB Connect. Alessandro, do you have any final words for our guest? No, I mean, it's been great having you, Ryan, and it's been great debating with you, and let's do this again sometime, man. Yeah, guys, definitely appreciate uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. We appreciate you bringing these projections to us. It's, uh, I know, again, something I've kind of used a little bit already in uh, draft prep for certain leagues. I feel like any amount sure. of, well, any amount of projections I can get from all anywhere, have my eyes on, I try to take everything into account. Uh, And most of all, thank you all the listeners uh, for listening to us here at the Full Press Fantasy Pod at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod on Twitter. We are part of the Full Press Radio Network at Full Press Radio on Twitter. Be sure to check out all the amazing content on fullpresscoverage.com or on Twitter at FP Coverage. As I mentioned, big thanks to Ryan Searfoss at at Fantasy FP Connect. On behalf of Alessandro Senator at AMS underscore senator and dean williams at fpc eagles i am kyle senra at yama underscore ks and this was the full press fantasy podcast